One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What do you mean? They didn't need a Russian linesman this time. He wasn't even Russian. He was actually from Azerbaijan. Tofik Bamarov, by name, by reputation, by nickname, the Russian linesman. The man who in 1966, what happened that year? The man who in 1966, the last time England reached a major senior final. Where, where was it played again? Aya Wembley. The man who signalled that without VAR, unless you want to continue saying that he was the original VAR, Tofik was the man who signalled that he was absolutely sure Jeff Hurst had put the ball over the line and England were ahead. It was a Dutchman and what's more, it was a, it was a penalty, of course it was a penalty. It was a penalty. Was it a penalty? This isn't the show for that kind of debate. For my Tuppensworth, it wasn't. Was it a dive? I'm not going to say so. Any striker who's being hustled and hassled like that will look to go down. Will look to say to the referee, there's a decision, my old chum. I'm only having a little bit of fun about Tofik Bamarov because... Whether or not you like the decision, overall, England winning 2-1 means justice was done. Without any doubt in my mind, England were the better side. The better side if you go like for like. But sport isn't always about like for like. In boxing, we use pound for pound to try and match fighters of different weights. In running or in horse racing, they weigh... I don't know if you follow horse racing, but in horse racing, the reason that jockeys are as light as possible is that the horses go faster. Certain horses with a pedigree, which is higher than others, will carry weights. Certainly National Hunt, can't speak about um, flat racing. They're given weights to carry to try and make the thing a little bit more even. When we use these expressions or in athletics where we talk about an athlete running in the bend seeming to start far behind having the psychological disadvantage of starting apparently far behind but running the bend and then as things even out finding out that if you run well you're actually ahead when things go to straight lanes ahead of the person who's seen miles ahead of you sports full of anomalies strange little methods of Messing with the mind, trying to even out a fight. So if you simply go pound for pound, Denmark's display was so intelligent, so tactically sound, 
they managed to pierce a defence which hadn't been beaten throughout the whole competition, despite a couple of cracking moments when Scotland nearly scored a couple of times, Germany nearly scored a couple of times, Denmark did. Throughout the game, there was very little you would say about Denmark that was ragged, that wasn't intelligent, that wasn't still burning with the fire of inspiration. One, we're good enough. Two, this is for Ericsson. Three, this is the football we've always watched. It's English football. We want to we wanna tip over our lords and masters. Four, I suppose. Most of us have been here and done it before at Wembley. Their football throughout the game smacked of that feeling. Given their resources, given the size of the country, pound for pound, you'd say maybe Denmark outdid England. Simply looking at the match, you don't even need to look at the stats and say, what was it, 9-10, I think, if it's on target from England. That's a mammoth number in a match which ends 1-1 and goes into extra time 1-1. Actually reaches an identical moment. I swear to you, by the time Harry Kane tucks in uh, the rebound 1-2 of Kasper Schmeichel's hands, chest and belly, the ball wriggles out so frustratingly for the Dane. What a few months he's had. The FA Cup final win. The extraordinary role he played. It partly in help saving saving the life of his teammate. The urgency he and Simon Kiar showed in, in asking the medics to rush on. But then the dignity and leadership he showed in a situation where he thought his friend was dying or maybe dead. It's been brilliant. The, the fumbled goal against Finland, which that same match, which spoke of a guy who's, who's maybe a tenth of his brain was focusing on the game when, at that stage, they were playing, not absolutely sure, knowing that Ericsson was awake, but not absolutely sure what might follow. It's Michael inspirational throughout, joking in the press conference before this about, is it coming home? Has it ever been home? Fun. Dignified, aggressive, competitive. A couple of marvellous saves, and then the penalty slaps him in the face, tricks him, beats him. Pretty brutal night for him. But a marvellous tournament. My point being... It's almost in the same minute of extra time. England and West Germany in 1966 were 11 minutes into extra time when Jeff Hurst shot the ball, bounced off the line, and good old Tofik Bamarov said, Goal! Goal! The rumour was they held a grudge against the Germans, and that's why he put his flag up. No such malice aforethought from the Dutch, and it went to VAR as well. We had the referee who adopts the Makaleli position, or Makeli position, and generally, the Dutchman's very good. There'll be a lot of focus around the rest of Europe about the penalty. Not quite so much of it in England. And my point is, this was another brick in the foundation. If you're English, this was the final. You, you're through. Happy days. Never seen it before in my lifetime. Blah, blah, blah. Good. Good for them. Good for those who believe, those who supported. Good for those who care passionately. They're in the final. Really, really pleased for them. Analysing the game and setting the jokes about the penalty aside, and I've just been having a little bit of fun pulling people's legs. I thought that this, of course, is another brick in the foundation of building a team which does what the big teams do. Now, there's lots of facets of that. If you strip away the strips and don't look at it being an England strip that fights back from 1-0 down equalises, dominates the game and then wins in a, in a cruel way. The penalty 
penalty saved, the penalty dubious, the penalty saved, the penalty rebound going in anyway. Strip away the images of England and say, Germany 1974, Argentina 1978, Brazil throughout the ages, Italy throughout the ages. You see my point? Whether you did or didn't support England, enjoy the performance, they once again did what big teams do. Now, the things that they didn't do that really big teams do was stick to their personality often enough. In the period before Denmark scored, not only were England ragged, they had reverted to individual decisions, individual ideas. Me v you, instead of playing the system, playing the passes, using the movement that's made them interesting, that's made them better, that's made them grown up. The punishment was, and there wasn't nearly enough said about this on the night, Luke Shaw being a best naive. The foul he gives away was unnecessary. The fouls at long distance, yes. The Danes are tall. They carry some aerial threat. They work really hard in their set pieces. But I don't think that you give away a foul that obvious. They pull, they shove. At corners and free kicks, there's loads of it. All you want. But it's so obvious that it, it goes into the category of being naive. Did they know that the ball was going to be wrapped in and Pickford would be picking it out of the net? No, they didn't. But percentage-wise, again, the big, hard-nosed, winning teams usually don't give that free kick away. Put it to one side. From then on, what was really interesting was another display of, irrespective of the problems we've seen in this tournament, how good a footballer Harry Kane is, his run down the right and cross in that was only just thwarted. It's Michael doing his best, spread eagling himself like his dad used to do. Sterling not scoring, fine. But the drop deep into space is something that, particularly I think with Mount, who's happy to run beyond, is a really well designed piece of coaching work, either by Steve Holland or by Gareth Southgate. Let either of them claim the credit, I don't care. Kane with Sonny at Spurs, the two of them are interchangeable. When one drops deep to a 10 position, the other one runs on. They're equally happy in receiving the ball at the 10 position and then feeding their partner or reversing it completely. That's rare. It's also rare that Kane can feed Son and Son just about finishes 50% off his right and 50% off his left. As a partnership, it's absolutely glorious. And I think Daniel Levy... If you don't look at your sacking appointment, sacking process in recent years as being hugely flawed, infantile and short-sighted, then you need to apply those adjectives at not exploiting properly that extraordinary partnership you've got at your club. Anyway, Mount isn't Sun Young Moon. Mount is different but he's happy to run beyond and allow Kane to drop into space. When he did, you know, you saw it, Kane's movement and release pass sets up the goal. Sacco, again, young, extremely talented, sometimes used at wing-back by Mikel Arteta, used on different touch lines for Arsenal during the season, has come in and had one man of the match performance and good goal creation potential and realisation in other matches. He's exciting. 
What I didn't like, and, and the reason I'm building to this, is when they understood that cane dropping into space between the lines and playing as a 10 was profitable, they then didn't do enough of it. You can repeat a trick, not thinking they're going to figure us out, we, we should only use it sparingly. You do it until they commit thinking that they have to be in between the lines. And the centre has, for example, have to run out with Kane. And then the instant you see that they're getting used to that, you put the ball over the top and you have a runner, like Sterling, into the gap. It's like, I'm on a right hook, you're right hook, you bosh, there's a left. They, they didn't. They discovered the key to unlocking Denmark. They kind of ignored it a little bit. Now, they kept making good chances. From 1-1, for the large part of the remainder of normal time, England went back to what's made them interesting recently. They played a system. They played with intelligence that was devolved, tactical intelligence on the pitch. And there was a point at which when Grealish came on, he looked like he might open things up. Maybe not quite as dramatically as he did in some of his other performances, but it did look as if he held the key. second period of extra time I will tell you when I saw them growing up again and I think I'll tell you why it's about 124 minutes into the match there are two chances in a row for Kyle Walker who runs to support to overlap and at that stage when you hear the roar of the crowd you smell the trophy on Sunday you think we've got to be there I can make this happen I can make 3-1 oh my god I've given the ball away in Denmark or up the other end the guy who knew not to do that was a Guardiola-based, Guardiola coached Kyle Walker. He stopped. He looked at the options. 
He turned, he recycled the ball. Foden caught on, did the same. And the other guy who instantly knew that the ball was to be retained and that that was something he could impose was, I think, the only foreign-based player who made it onto the pitch for England last night. Although now, thankfully, there are a handful of them, if you think about Bellingham and Sancho. But Trippier joined Kyle Walker and went, I know what we do. I know what Cholo Simeone would tell me to do. I know what we do at Atleti, and that's keep the ball. Yeah, I'll go high to support, to press or to rob. But if I get the ball high at the pitch, the first thing that's going to happen isn't a rush of blood to my head and a charge into the Denmark box and attempted cross and let them run up the pitch while I'm out of position and maybe catch Maguire on a, on a yellow card, making a last ditch. No. The guy who works at Athletic Madrid, the guy who's worked for seasons for Pep Guardiola, plus to an extent Foden, Guardiola trained again, when we slow this down, we kill the game. Now, in past years when they did that, the England crowd would have booed them. They'd have gone mental. They'd have, all you needed was a bugle and charge. Hasn't worked. Over and over again, it hasn't worked properly since 1966 in the days of Tofik Bamarov. I want to have a shot at that again, Tofik. I'm sorry. I know you left us in 1993. Tofik Baramov. And what happened, lovely listeners, what happened was the instant that Walker, Trippier and Foden instilled a little bit of order and instead, even high up the right hand of the pitch, instead of looking to feed, instead of doing what Raheem Sterling kept on doing, which is like, let's gun them down. Let's take them at the knees. Let's get into the penalty box. And this isn't criticism. I I heard, did you hear cultural change? The crowd started olaying. Now, when you hear that olay with each pass, sometimes it can be a distraction, sometimes it's done stupidly. It certainly can annoy the opposition. But it was the sound of the crowd saying, I know you're doing the right thing. Keep the ball, kill the game, win the game, go to the final. Still in all, Sterling had a super game. Don't take this as criticism of him. Because... What's needed across a team are odds and sods. You have to have a wide variety of talents, paces, ages, experiences, personalities. What I really loved and what I've been going on about for years since, certainly, certainly since I moved to Spain, but before that too, watching foreign club teams, continental and South American sides impose themselves on teams I cared about or I was paid to watch, devolved intelligence. There's lots of versions of it. There have been other types of it during England's campaign, but we saw it. Okay, I'm talking about a period of five, six minutes, but can you lose a lead in that time? Can you lose a semi-final in five, six minutes? Do you remember the camp now in 1999? You can, of course you can. Kyle Walker, Kieran Trippier, to some extent, Little Phil Foden went, nah, nah, nah. We know what to do in this situation. So, I don't know. England are through. 
I have to say, to a certain degree, I'm pleased because anybody I met over the last few days, couple of days in London, I told, well, I think England are going to win both games. I think England are fitter, they have more resources, they're faster. It doesn't necessarily apply to Harry Kane, who continues to be an enigma. He had lovely moments, and because he scored the winning penalty, he's been given the Heineken Star of the Match Award. Fine. And you can't deny he's coming on to a game, but in spurts. Is he, is he knackered? Don't know. Is he carrying some sort of fear of an injury? Is he worried about his future? Don't know. But there were moments in the game, and I don't mean the penalty, where he did delightful things. I think it's a little bit underappreciated, and I know that some do. How well he plays at 10. It's really, it's genuinely exciting. If, if, if England really wanted to be thrilling one day, they could easily play, say it's Calvert-Lewin, say they have another nine that they're desperate to use, they could easily play Ken at 10 in the middle of the three behind the one in a 4-2-3-1. Anyway, that's for another day. Here's my bet 365 man of the day. I don't really know. Could I say, should I say Kyle Walker because of the way I appreciate what he imposed in the game and because of his clever running and, and clearing? I could. And I want to applaud him. Should I say Sacco for his pass, came for his overall display? Should I go emotional and say, look, I want to make Kasper Schmeichel feel better about his night because that's a brutal moment to lose and a brutal way to lose. No, nor will it be Danny Makaleli. My bet 365 man of the day is Baku, Azerbaijan born, Tofik Baramov, the Russian linesman. I bet he's up there right now with his little peaked cap, his long black shorts, his linesman's flag, sitting watching ITV, listening to Sam Matterface, watching Danny McKelly, and having a right good Azerbaijani chuckle to himself. Tofik Baramov, you are my Bet365 man of the day. It's taken me long enough, but I only mention it because apparently, the old mucker, football's coming home again. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusive Apply. See site for details.